It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello. And Ben Roy Turner. Hello there. How are both of you surviving this current video game drought? It's difficult, man. I'm eating <laughs> beans from the can. I'm playing <laughs> games I've already played a billion times before. It's when's it gonna end? Is there an end in sight? Apparently the time the exact time it's meant to end is I think March 20th when Doom arrives. But so that's more than weeks, a month left. Yeah, weeks away. Have, have you ever seen E.T. when E.T. is literally dead <laughs> in like a little sh- in a little stream? That's me at the moment. Just Good. sucked of all life like give me games <laughs> floating down attempting to grab onto Sekiro Sekiro bats you away and you float back to uh. Resident Evil yet again and um, we just thought we'd do a pod on all the stuff that we're sort of revisiting and, and playing at the minute because um, it's a lovely time we talked about this before we came in but for me um, this reminds me of usually this only happens once a year when it's at Christmas when the release calendar stops and I can just get my life back and I, I don't have to keep up with everything and I can just go back to ridiculous toss like Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry and I don't have to care about it and I can just play whatever I want I can nap whenever I want and and so I'm quite liking this. I'm liking this drought. But you, you guys were saying that you're itching for new stuff. I'm, well, I'm, I'm starving. I, as Josh was saying, like I've been playing, catching up with all these games. Oh, mm. the backlog! Let's get the backlog done. Yeah, let's do that. Let's play Sekiro. <laughs> <laughs> I did not have to. So, you have to play Sekiro. Uh, uh, I did because it was a challenge laid down to me, and I won. Just like <laughs> I beat Celeste as well. I won. Do really, things really... you enjoy. Stop playing yeah. games that you. I, I played Bioshock. Apparently, I was going to enjoy that. It's also uh, not really winning if you use a guide. But carry on. I mean, you know, if you want to spend hours and hours just batting someone away and dying, then it's fine. I do. I'm a big FromSoft fan. But um, yeah, so you're going through Bioshock at the minute. We, play, uh, we put down a, a little list of uh, things that we're playing. I'm going to open the floor with Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry. Now you put your collar up, JB. Yeah, because it's, 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 it's feeling a bit icy in the studio <laughs> is all I'm saying. And I know we're going to get some opinions that I don't fully agree with, so I'm putting on the no, armor before we jump into this. Nice, but wholesome podcast. Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. I've well, never so, played so this. I, it's the DLC for Assassin's Creed uh, Black Flag, and I don't know why, but the other day I had the weirdest pang to go back to old school Assassin's Creed. Um, and I just was going, what? I just want to make, sorry, I don't want to put in, but I want to make something clear to the audience <laughs> this this was preceded by me talking to scott and saying i really want to play assassin's creed odyssey i haven't played that it wasn't and you that. said you're you're a madman don't do that why would you want to do that and now you're going back to assassin's creed freedom cry no, because it was it felt because there's something about origins and odyssey more so odyssey that just feels like it's just content of the game it's just stuff to do things to do for like 200 hours you don't really feel anything worthwhile and i don't even mind odyssey i like alexios i like cassandra but um i don't know there's just something about those games that are just big and over is the it, top is it because you know there's not going to be one of them this year so you're like oh because like last year me and Josh 
died on Days Gone. Mm. <laughs> assuming that. Well, it's one but of those There's no games, big right? content game there. This Maybe. Series, I just, there was something about Assassin's Creed. I was just thinking back on Assassin's Creed, and Palmy wants to buy the Assassin's Creed 3 remaster, but I'm not that insane. I'm probably going to buy it tonight, but I haven't got it yet. And um, You'll get it. I thought I might do it. And I thought I'd, uh, I went back on my PS4 and I put Assassin's Creed in the search bar, and I already owned Freedom Cry and a bunch of other ones. And I thought, I've not finished Freedom Cry. I got it as the DLC for Black Flag. And so I, put, I, I went to that, and I know he, he plays Adewale, who's like the um, slave that you liberate as Edward Kenway in the main game. And then he, it's like years later and he's like got his own ship and it's just all the different mechanics and everything that you know from Black Flag um, done in like a four hour stint. Now, one, all games should be four hours. It's brilliant. Yes. You can get it done in an afternoon and feel really, really good. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I, yeah, I, Karen. What, what if Days Gone was four hours? <laughs> I mean, Days Gone hey, should be four hours, but The Last done. of Us 2, You'd if The done? Last of Us 2 is four hours, I'm going to... What if it's four brilliant hours, though? Ah, I, be, wow. I love this. this. This old game should be four hours gimmick is the same as old film should be 90 minutes. Yeah, you brought this in. <laughs> old movie should be an hour and a half long. It's uh, mainly because you know you're going to get through it. I think that was one of the reasons, too, is that I, I looked up on uh, howlongtobeat.com and it was Freedom Cry was down as four hours. And I was like, I can do that in pretty much one sitting. But um, yeah, old school Assassin's Creed, considering how many features they you know would go on to put into those games, um, you know, I, there's enough there. There's enough you can counter kill. You can go on these big killing sprees and stealth from the bushes and all that type of stuff. And there's one big assassin, the assassination that you do at the end uh, where my guy like ran away and I chased him around this village and I eventually came out of nowhere and macheted him in the face. And it was great. I had a lovely little time. Nice. And I recommend it. I, uh, I think it's a nice little story. For, for me, all these Assassin's Creed games seem to be like those like gimmick burgers that are trying to one-up each other. Like, let's put nachos in it this time. Let's just keep filling this burger up until you can't eat it with your hands I anymore. Know, I wish they started calling them gimmick burgs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a gimmick burg? And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, uh, the, thing, the, the thing that kept me going is, uh, and it's strange because like, you know, you have so many different archetypal video game enemies. Like, hey, it's some Nazis to kill. Hey, yeah. it's like some evil aliens or whatever. In uh, Freedom Cry, you're literally liberating slave camps and plantations and stuff. And I just realized that I absolutely despise that whole idea of trying to, you know, keep people enslaved. So I was like, I'll totally take a machete to all these slave owners. There's something satisfying about that. Yes. I, rem I remember playing, Ma uh, not Mass Effect 3, uh, Mafia 3. Mm. And there's a there's a point, in, there's a mini game, well, not a mini game, a side mission in, in that, that sequel mm -hmm. where you have to go around the houses of these really rich people and they're secretly KKK members and they're uh, having like not rallies in the back garden but they're having meetings in their back garden right. so you sneak into the posh estate and you just like throw molotovs at them and it's there's something so satisfying and having a proper reprehensible like enemy like that yeah. to just to just hit you in the gut and make you think you know what I would have brutally murder yeah. these people and, and it's gonna be satisfying it makes up the distance considering that in those games you are just doing the same thing over and over again like I mean like you know there there's only like nine acts to it so there's nine main missions to it everything else is all side stuff and you can take you can upgrade your ship you can go you have like a, a whole quarter of the map like the overall map to go and explore it's a new area as well um you know you can take your time going like uh, to those different places but i just found myself liberating everyone because there's like dynamic stuff in the uh, in the village where like you know you'll you'll one of the slaves will run past you and like someone's trying to like trying to catch them and you can kill that dude and be like come join my ship we're having this we're doing this freedom cry come on board my freedom cry and it's amazing Ben Roy said something very interesting earlier. That mm. does sound a lot like why I really enjoyed Days Gone last year because it's right. a content game. It's something that it yeah. gives you enough That's motivation to jump in. Uh, but then the loop is just kind of satisfying. You can just keep doing it and keep doing it when there's nothing else that's, you know, mm. pressing in the gaming world. Sometimes it's just it's just nice to lose yourself in that almost malaise mm -hmm. of gaming, you know, interaction. That's we should start calling them content cool. games. That's Can't, genuinely really good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, yeah it's... Uh, I, do you want know to like about more, the most about these content games is mm. when you don't have to do everything for the Platinum like Days Gone where mm. you just, oh, I don't need to get all 7,000 things. Collectible things. I just need... 2,000. <laughs> <laughs> um, Josh, tell the world about... What was it? Patho 
Pathologic 2. Right, I, I love that. Well, I, I love this, this because I came in after Christmas and I was playing Pathologic 2. And you guys kept asking me what I was playing and I kept saying, well, I'm playing Pathologic 2. And and none said, of what are you talking about, JB? Well, none of you even questioned what it was. It was just like, all right, he's doing a thing. Is he? He's doing a little <laughs> he's gimmick. He's made up another game he's again. Made, he's made we, a game up. Oh, was it on VR? <laughs> we don't want to talk about this, so just move on. <laughs> no, I got this on um, Ben Roy's favorite games pass because I watched a video <laughs> before Christmas um, from H Bomber Guy and it's really good. It's not about why the original Pathologic is awesome, but that game has came out about 10 years ago, has a lot of issues, and apparently number two was that version almost remade by the same developers, okay. but as it should have been back then. So I jumped in it. It's a game about you play as this person who's coming back to his hometown after a long time away. He's a doctor, and a plague hits the town. And you have to try and figure out, you, you're on these day cycles. Each day you've got a new set of tasks. You have to get them done um, before the end finishes, all the while you're fighting hunger, reputation, sleep, and stuff like that. And it's one of the most punishing games I've ever played, but it's so reactive to what you do. Like, so many games get dialogue options wrong, in, whereas in this, you have to actually think about what you're saying and mm. what people are saying, otherwise it impacts how quests play out. And it's not, like, spoon-fed to you, but it actually makes you think about what you're doing in Every sort of thing matters. Like you're you're on a constant time limit, and just getting from point A to point B mm. is is like an act in itself. You spend so much time walking around, which sounds boring, but it's quite moody and introspective, and it's 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 unlike anything else I've ever played. The problem is, it plays like arse on the Xbox. <laughs> it's genuinely well, frame rate wise, frame rate rise right. wise, uh, loading screen wise, it just it is broken. Mm. I'm intrigued. Like, when did this come? I, I've literally only ever heard of this when you said it to me. Same like, I know Phil Spencer brought it to us on Game Pass in our, in our year of 2019. Well, it came but, out last year. It came yeah. out on the PC early Brand last, new year, last year, and it came out on the Xbox One in December, and people loved it on PC. Apparently, it's, like, awesome, but it's just, it's virtually unplayable on the Xbox, and I put about 15 hours into Is this it top stupid down? game. Is it no, it's, oh, sorry, it's first-person shooter. It's, okay. it's quite um, rudimentary, but it's so moody and so weird. Scott, you'll love it, actually, because it's so, Ooh. it raises so many philosophical questions like dense philosophical thinkers okay. and it just throws it at you and expects you to understand what uh -huh. it's talking about and it's quite good and it raises some really interesting moral standpoints but mm -hmm. it's just having to like wrangle all of its different systems because it is so obtuse and like unforgiving but when you finish something when you get to the end of a day and you've helped some people mm. out or you've done the unthinkable and pushed through this impossible scenario it feels so good it has this certain allure to it that even though I had to constantly stop and wait for the game to load every 20 seconds like I wanted to keep playing it because it, it had something to it and I hope to god that it gets fixed and go back and play it as it was intended to can you give us something. one of those examples of a moral quandary a moral quandary um, okay there is this one moment where Essentially, there's this boy uh, in. <laughs> well, it's kind of like, would Zombie. you kill a boy? Like, it's uh, he throws it at you. There's this guy, this kid who's got something you sort of need, and he's got this little gang of kids, mm. and you can either help them or in and hope to hope to God that they repay you, or you can sort of just stab him to death <laughs> if, if you want to. You don't have to, but if you, if you stab him to death, it'll, it'll it'll help you out because he's a kind of a little crap anyway. You know what I mean? They're, they're he's a little crap. They're, they're, they're pickpockets. They're thieves. Oh. They will potentially merge you further on down the line. So does it's anyone like, know that you've stabbed these little boys? Well, that's it. You have like, like a, a fallout where everyone hates you. It's not everyone that hates you, but you have like a reputation meter that will go up or down. Okay. Mm. But it's like, it's cool. It's like 
how you want to administer medicine. That's probably a more nuanced one. I went okay. for the really explicit one. But you've only got a certain amount of medicine. You can either give it to like the elites, mm -hmm. which might ultimately help you stop the plague, or you can give it to the people you love, mm. supposedly the people you like. So trying to you know please everyone on a limited amount of resources. It just works. I tell you what, I'll throw in. Uh, this isn't something I've been playing recently, but uh, Vampire, the one with Y, Vampire, mm, okay. um, that came out last year or the year before. Um, that had um, I can't even Doctor Crane. I forget what you call the dude that you play as, but he's a doctor who becomes a vampire and it's that idea of like yeah like trying to like playing as a character that can like that can help people by very their very nature kind of thing that's something that i don't think that many games explore um and it's like yeah how do you want to sort of spend your time who do you want to save like who do you want to bring back and stuff like that um to some degree that's um that's like i don't know something is more worthwhile than like oh, i'm just gonna kill everybody yeah like, trying to decide what's actually what good uh path you can take through the game well this is an interesting point where you have to go through these plague like the more of the world map gets more infected the more you play mm -hmm. and you can go into like plague and houses and you can essentially just rob them but then there's oh. people in there babies kind of become currency there are people looking for babies to sell because they think it'll make them better or whatever so you have to sort of interact with that system it's kind of like tarry, this is odd you can put them in your backpack is this part of the like the new age of b games is this a b game would you say it does feel like that yeah it's sort of vampire is a really good comparison okay. i think it's got on the same wavelength whereas it's got some good ideas. It's got some really interesting mechanics. It's just nowhere near as polished as it needs to be. You can trade babies. You can trade babies. <laughs> you can save the babies, my friend. This seems like the biggest banter game ever, but I guess I will potentially check it out. It's, it's, on, it's on Game Pass. It's on Game Pass. It's on Ben Rose Game Pass. It will yeah. make you infuriated when you hit these um, loading screens every five seconds. Man, okay. like honest, I want it to rip my own eyes out. I mean, we, I sat through Bloodborne. It wasn't, you know, this is worse. Back in the day, um, Ben Roy, you got through Sekiro. Talk time. about a game worse than Bloodborne. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, and a game that you can. You Use these little baby items before you fight as well. There's little babies in it as well. Oh uh, yeah, just just really uh, punishing myself. We might do a separate podcast on Bloodborne versus Sekiro, yes. but uh, we'll see. For now, though, what are your thoughts on Sekiro? Did you have you spent your time well? I see. I really like the setting mm -hmm. of Sekiro. I like the idea of the wolf, and I I like a lot of things about Sekiro. But then I don't like. The boss fights, <laughs> or I, I finally got over men with sticks. But then you get the little frog boys with Took the massive hats to get over that man with who like to just jump up in the air and throw shurikens at you or poison you or something like that. It's just like uh, it's, it's like I don't know why they I uh, hot take they perfected this series with Bloodborne and then they went in what I think is a wrong direction here with Sekiro. Mm, in terms I, of how much impetus they put on just like chip damagey stuff and yeah, I yeah. feel I felt like most boss fights for me were chip damage the game like there are a few which i feel like i could contend with men with bis big swords or mm. beasts with big swords or or um actually the probably the best boss i thought in that game was what's her name who flies around in the other world and she throws shakuns you in the air lady butterfly yes lady uh -huh. butterfly i thought that was one of the best bosses because it was you wasn't just being attacked by a giant thing or having to roll 400 times or block right. just to get out of the way of something hitting you. The thing that I took up, because I went so far, like initially, I thought Sekiro was like so immaculate first. Then you fight Genichiro like, after, I don't know, three, four hours, maybe six hours. Um, and that, I thought it was that like, little arena as well can go and do one. Yeah, there's there's bits and pieces. The thing is like, it's obviously designed to frustrate. And I think the amount of player data that they've accrued over time, they are like, you know, they can design a game that yeah. will push the human brain to its absolute limits in terms of memorization 
information timing and, and, and reaction times and everything. Um, the, the weird thing is that I have to assume it's intentional is that the, for me, the biggest enemy when you finished Akira the whole time was you. It was your own patience. It was your own stress levels. And it's once you like manage, once you manage that and you cool down for each one of those bosses, yeah. where it's like, oh my God, like F this thing. And you sort of like reset yourself and steal yourself and you beat it like, well, not necessarily calmly, but you get through it. That <laughs> feeling was like the greatest feeling in gaming, I, but it puts yeah. you through hell to get there. I, you, I had was in the last 17 of my spirit emblems. I was at the very end of my wits. <laughs> I was like, I just need to be Lord Ishin. But like after a while, just so, I felt so bored getting past right. those first two stages because I could do them so so quotes well, but then I'd get annoyed or bored and then get stabbed and mm. then lose free healing things. Like, <laughs> what am I doing? What am I? I mentioned yeah. um, Genichiro because I think we talked about games being short. Um, even though it would have. I don't. For me, if Sakura had ended after the Genishiro fight, I think I would have would have given I would have adored it even more because it would have been this punchy, really focused thing. You have to steel yourself so much to beat Genishiro, and then for me, I remember back when we reviewed it and stuff, I, it only kind of went downhill after that because it could only repeat the same. I like the over. water area, but then some of the enemies felt not cheap, but like they either throw things at you from a far distance, or there's some guys that can spawn. Like, sure, you can get the lightning counter. Or like the ones you take over your body, mm. and like that really slowed it down for me, and it felt like funneling funneling you in a game which wasn't really funneling you for a lot of part, mm -hmm. parts of it. What did uh, Jimmy? What did you come down on Sakura overall? I I, I really liked it. I, I like Blood Bomb more. I do agree that I think the longer it goes on, the, the not the worse it gets, but my patience sort of was was it was all gone by the mm. end of it i remember when it, when you go back to the castle after everything's gone uh completely messed up and it's on fire and stuff i ran past everyone Me I didn't too. Fight them. at that point i felt like the pacing was slightly off now I, I felt like i was getting to a natural conclusion and then it threw me another five hours which sort right. of annoyed me i do like all the stuff after genichiro because i think up until that point you are learning specific moves to fight specific enemies and then it's sort of a combination of everything's so mm. like testing your skills I, I i i will disagree though benroy because for me when it comes to the boss battles I finally got what people love so much about Dark Souls and Bloodborne in that I had to actually learn the moves. I couldn't just be good enough or instinctive enough or responsive enough to dodge out the way and then get a few lucky hits in. Like I was, I eventually learned Dark Souls and Bloodborne, but I never felt like I had a mastery over them. Whereas in this, Ooh. I felt like I had it's to weird, learn the bosses, otherwise I would get absolutely rinsed. With Bloodborne, I felt that, but like giant monkey thing did you did any of you learn its moves or did you just have to run out of the way of its massive swings or its big the second phase poo? I think you can only run out the way yeah, well, yeah. You, see the thing about that is I, that was the satisfying one because I thought that I would just have to run out the way and treat it differently mm. but when I realized I could you know regularly parry most of the big fist pounds I was yeah. like well, that's awesome. I've, I've been, right. I've just been intimidated by the boss and assumed that I couldn't do it. But well, when you can do it, yeah, that's the like, thing about stealing yourself. Like, yeah. like, that's the thing. I mean, you can go through that whole game just perfecting when to push L one. You don't need anything else. There were certain cues like with the monk, the crypto monk goes mm, before he does one swing. I was just like, I hate you so <laughs> much. Stop making that noise. The uh, the thing that got me and the first time, like I said, I, I really was like, oh my god, this game was the Genichiro fight, and you just got the lightning counter at that point. So I was like, and then by the time you realize in that fight that you you can fire the lightning back at him. I was like, this is an incredible like culmination of everything. Um, and then yeah, it kind of repeats those beats like towards the end. Um, I do think that like overall, it's it's strange because like you were saying about like that idea of memorization. Like in Sekiro, you'll only get through those fights when you know that the blocking uh, rhythm is like like da 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 da. Like once you've got that down, pressing L one, you'll be totally fine. Um, but until you get that, you'll just keep getting chewed up. You have to you have to beat the boss in the exact same way. And you can use some items and abilities but until he goes mad. Lightning, and then I was pulling out my shield and doing the shield technique, mm -hmm. like spinning around him and stabbing him in the side mm -hmm. and stuff. But yeah, I, 
there were only a few bosses that I felt like I could proper learn it and like sort of contend with them like mm. Roberto man who you kick off the bridge and stuff oh he was great yeah I liked I liked him in the end apart from when you would kick him and then four times I kicked him into that pillar and then just put the control and I was like kill me <laughs> <laughs> I think it's um the, like I said the, the, at the beginning of this point like the um the way that they've focused all their player data to be like this is exactly the for me it felt like the limits of my like human abilities like yeah. you know, to, to struggle through this thing um but I, was, doing... I was sweating when I beat it I, I was I was just my hands were Liquid man. I just. Well, I remember when people came out, and you know, a lot of people who were veterans of Dark Souls and Bloodborne said that it wasn't really hard. Whereas mm. I got my ass kicked over and over again. Everyone did. I realized too. Yeah. yeah. It, it almost made me realize that I was playing Dark Souls and Bloodborne wrong because even though I wasn't really getting killed by the end of those games, mm. I was just sort of instinctively jumping out the way. I wasn't properly learning the attacks. I was learning what kind of attack is coming, right. and, and a dodge usually sufficed no matter what it was, as long as they got the timing mm. right. It was okay. Whereas here, you couldn't do that. You had to engage with. The mechanics on their own terms and there's something about that that i really love quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together jd power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store and now save 50 percent on the sleep number limited edition smart bed for a limited time for jd power 2023 award information visit jdpower.com awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. See, oh, see for me, the, the fact that you have to beat them in a certain way and they're going to do these animations over and over, that is more limiting to me. That's why I bounced off Cuphead. Because like Cuphead is like, memorize 45 minutes of an attack pattern and you'll breeze through it in like five minutes. Um, you know, But it'll take 45 minutes of trial and error to memorize everything. That idea of challenge being memorization is something that I bounced the hell off. But mm. I, like, I think what, that's the crux of it. I feel like that's what some of the bosses, like, you can turn it into that. Because um, like uh, Lord Ishin, is it Ishin? Ishin's the last uh, one. If you're a certain distance away, he'll always do his run jump attack right. and you can always block it with a shield that I did. Mm-hmm. Or you can be up close and he does his 
big lad swings with a big stick, which mm-hmm. I always hate. <laughs> so like and towards the end, I was just like, okay, if I go here, I can just, I know I'm going to trigger that attack. Or with um, Genichiro, mm-hmm. like you can make him constantly do his lunge unblockable, but you don't even need, to, you just walk to the side one, in one step and then just start hitting him. Yeah. And you, you can get him into that sort of weird loop. That idea of like playing the AI though is the thing yeah. that Sekiro like wants you to do, whereas I think you can improvise your, like I found so much more in Bloodborne and Dark Souls that I improvised my way through a fight first time and like just got through and I was like breathing heavily and being like, man, like like that was a great fight and it felt like a fight. It felt like I had, I had my tool set that I was improvising with and I beat this boss with, as opposed to in Sekiro, it was almost like the Cuphead mentality of like, okay, it's a new boss what do i have to memorize this time and like and over time that gets quite tired yeah i would say there's a big distinction between the bosses and the regular enemies because mm. although each boss more or less proved a more difficult challenge for me when it got to like the regular enemies after about 10 hours or so i felt like a lot of those i was breezing through because right. i'd fought them before i felt like i had a mastery over the skill set and i could just kind of annihilate them and mm-hmm. it felt very satisfying oh, that, to that feels great. get that yeah. sort of power trip of no you know what I've, I've put my time and training in i've gotten good at this parry mechanic Mm-hmm. And I'm absolutely going to wipe the floor with you until I get to the boss. I did. Going to kill me. I yeah. did until all the big men came in when the city was on fire, and you go around the corner, and you you behind this bit of like reeds, and you just see these two big lads find each other, and like they're barely doing any damage to each other. <laughs> do I get involved with this, or do I just walk? I walk past every oh, time. Oh, see, so the, the mindset that I got over time. We'll move on to another game in a sec. But the the man, mindset that I got into over time, when I saw things like that, I would feel that like, oh god, it's gonna it's gonna suck learning this thing. Um, but then I would just charge into it because at that point I was like, I'd kind of resigned to the fact that the the mentality they want you to have is, oh god, that's gonna suck, but I'll steal myself and do it anyway. Yeah. And like I like I said, I, I value that, but I haven't been back through Sekiro and I haven't wanted to like I've restarted I've been back don't, through don't do it I'm not going to do it I've been back through like Dark Souls 1 and 3 I've restarted 2 I've restarted Bloodborne Sekiro was like when it was done it was done and no part of me wanted to try it again it's going to sit on my shelf forever if anyone, <laughs> if anyone wants it then just give me the money and I'll send it to you <laughs> I might play it out. again you will not play it again. No. I might play it again. You've got pathologic, mate. You can't, <laughs> I'm you not can't anymore. Be, can't that's, got, that. that's got the chop. Um, now, I mentioned Deadly Premonition um, the other, uh, last week when uh, I was on with uh, Jules and maybe you as well, JB. Not me, but... Someone was on in the Ash. Phantom. Uh, I think it was Ash. And uh, we were talking about, um, yeah, other games that we're playing and stuff. Um, so Deadly Premonition is something I'm still going through, but I've already mentioned the the fun, dumb stuff of that and a, a cereal and jam sandwich that the man eats. That's like the, the perfect um, game for the current like climate. You know what I mean? We've yeah. got We've got nothing on so let's play deadly <laughs> premonition let's, let's watch a banner film it, uh, yeah exactly the hobbs and shore of gaming yeah yeah i wish um, i was playing that rather than secure <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's just as memorable um so yeah deadly premonition still going through that but my other big one is uh, arkham origins um and also well arkham origins and blasphemous which of the two would you like to hear about tell me about blasphemous because i um, i on the day you bought this i messaged you saying scott should i buy blasphemous and you said i'm gonna buy it now well the thing is you messaged me saying should i get it and i just finished the demo so like mm. weirdly we were in sync and i was like man it's really good. I know Jules loved it. He played it all last year and he was forever telling us to get it and we were like, yeah, whatever, 2D Dark Souls, just finished Sekiro, do not care. And so like, um, didn't, you know, didn't like bother back then. But yeah, Blasphemous is brilliant. It's like, it is 2D Dark Souls in terms of the way the HUD's laid out and the fact that you're coming up against these, um, you know, imposing enemies, the way the life bar, you gotta, you know, like work your way through like a boss, like a really imposing boss and figure out how to, um, you know, get them down and everything. But it's way snappier. It's because it is a side scroller, they play into the platforming aspects of it. Um, they play into the way that um, it, play, it uses Metroid's um, or Castlevania's map system um, where it's like block by block like it, you know you bring up the map and it's like okay I've not been down here yet so I guess there's some of the secret down there 
everything plays into everywhere else. Like, mm. go get this key from here and unlock this other path. Um, but it's mainly the way that it plays that's just brilliant. Um, it's kind of like Sekiro has like an impetus on uh, parries, um, but you also get a bunch of uh, different power-ups that you can do charge attacks and drop attacks um, and different combos, like combo extenders and stuff like that. Um, but the, one of the most fun things that I wish, Sekiro kind of has this, um, is fatalities for each enemy type. Because nice. by the time you figure out how to beat them, it doesn't do them every time, it doesn't trigger every time. Um, but sometimes, like there's a guy right at the beginning that has a, um, a small guy with a shield and he's always like battering you away with the shield. Um, and the fatality on him is just to get his shield and squish him with it. And it's just great. <laughs> like the idea that every enemy type has a specific fatality. Um, you know, and act, like you do that that standard loop of like you get battered by three or four of them at once. And then once you get used to it, it's like, bring it on. You deflect all of them in a row and you finish the last one with a really gory fatality, which they, this game is so absolutely, like, just as brutal as Mortal Kombat, ripping spines out and everything. It's brilliant. I watched the trailer for it that day. I messaged you, and mm. I just thought the art style of it looked so like my crap. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's it's, oh, it's so about macabre. That, that sort of macabre, high fantasy sort of thing mm -hmm. compared with the the graphic violence. That's I tell you what, actually, which I've only just realized now as I'm thinking of it. The iconography of it is very much Bloodborne meets Souls. Yeah, like uh, the whole story of it. You piece together the story through items and stuff, but it's mainly about um, this one sort of priest woman who stabs herself at the beginning with uh, this like religious piece of this religious artifact thing and unleashes a bunch of sins and demons and stuff into the world. Um, but the, the church symbol that she belongs to is like really close to the Bloodborne symbol uh, or the Yarnum symbol. Um, and they're clearly going for like right down the middle of like Dark Souls meets Bloodborne in a 2D setting. Um, but yeah, that thing is just so snappy and so like just so satisfying. I burned through almost all of it in a, like a six hour stint and then had to take a break. I'm looking forward um, to getting it. It's really point. good. I mean, there's a free demo on the Switch if anyone wants to try it. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely adore uh, Blasphemous. I don't know how you guys find like 2D versions of a established formulas. Well, this is it. I don't you I don't know about you Ben Roy, but when I was looking at the gameplay for it, it's not usually something I would go mm. for, but the aesthetic drew me in. That's not usually my kind of game though. Mm -hmm. no. I'm all right. <laughs> Good. Yeah, you probably don't need this at this point yeah. in your life. Um, Josh, you're, you've been playing a lot of Red Dead 2. I've been playing loads of Red Dead 2. This has been Sweet the Jesus. main game. Once I finished Pathologic 2, I needed a nice comfort... Well, I even finished it, gave up on it. I needed a comfort <laughs> blanket. And I thought, you know what? We've got a couple of months without any big releases, so I'm going to play through this game because I might not get another chance. Mm. My schedule, my gaming schedule, <laughs> is never going to be as free as it currently is, and I mm -hmm. thought it would be the perfect time because when I went through it the first time, even though I loved it, I, I didn't rush through it, but but you want to see the end of the story, don't you? There's, an, there's, a, there's a drive to well, see where it wants to I thought I did until I got there, but yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll kill you. you um, yeah, so this time I've just been, you know, schmoozing my way through, playing cards at night with my team, doing dominoes. Is that how you're playing dominoes? You can do some dominoes. And just sort of chilling out, just drinking that game in because I've got the time and I've got the luxury mm. to just, you know, wander the world and do all the side missions I passed over and all of the events that I didn't want to do because I wanted to get to the next story mission. And it's it's even better than before, like properly role-playing in that world, doing a lot of hunting, bringing mm. it back to the camp. Even though mechanically your camp doesn't benefit from doing any of the upgrades or something, it's nice to do them, spend the time doing them and talking to the people around you and them appreciating it. That, I spent so much more time back at the camp this time around. And you appreciate little character relationships and dynamics that I didn't the first time around. I always thought the jump for Sadie from being, you know, the crying, mm. grieving widow to a genuine badass was always quite sharp. But here, if you sort of take a step back and you're just sort of wandering around mm -hmm. and you look at her interacting mm -hmm. with Abigail and sort of getting over that grief and then transforming it to someone else. The same with sort of Kieran and uh, Sean and, um, oh, what's she called? 
I feel oh the lady there's a lady there. Molly? No, I can't remember. Sean? Her name. I don't know. It's two years well, ago. Sean in the the lady he likes. They have like yes. a little romance that goes in the background, and when he goes, she grieves him and starts hitting the bottle and stuff. And all of those like subtle character developments that aren't front and center in the story mm. just become apparent. And I thought that's so awesome. Like the attention to detail there to thread this story throughout this massive tapestry is just so fun to appreciate. I remember thinking with that, like the camp scenes are like genuinely phenomenal. Like the amount of, the way that they they replicate like being at a house party or being at somewhere like a gathering where there's so much social chemistry going on and it feels like a bunch of humans interacting, which is, sounds like a really easy thing to get right in theory, but like no other games made me feel like that. It's nice to take just a big game like that, which we, I think everyone was all playing just so we didn't get spoiled. Like let's get through this, get through this, get through this. And just breathe. Like yeah, when I'm yeah. doing again, I like building roads and dash around again, like just anything like that. Like you saying, realizing that these sort of moments between the characters are actually happening, but you're brushing through because you don't want to get someone like tweeting you on like, oh, by the way, so, such such dies or this this happens here, sort <laughs> yeah. of thing. Well, that's mm. exactly it. Like the little missions, playing dominoes or doing the sort of character-driven hunting or whatever. They all have little story beats to them. There was a time where I sat down to play a game at the camp with Abigail, and she talks to you about Mary, uh, mm. the, the 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 girl Arthur fancies. And, and that's a little moment that I didn't get the first time around, but then it makes that relationship even more impactful by the time you get the letter, by the time you go on the missions. Mm. And it's just those... They're not even throwaway lines of dialogue. They seem like they should be important. Yeah. But it just builds up a sort of sense of familiarity with these characters and who they are. And like Ben Roy said, it's just great to sort of take your time, go out and do whatever you want to do, do some hunting, search for some treasure, mm. come back, do some main missions, and then get to the end. My thing, because um, the thing I love the most about Red Dead is, is those scenes. It's the little pockets of humanity in this really like kind of like destitute world. Like it's on the, the brink of like, the end of the, of the Old West and the beginning of society and judicial systems and Arthur and Dutch and the whole, that whole gang, that way of life doesn't belong. And he knows it. Like, you know, you read his diary and it's all these thoughts about him not even knowing where he's going to belong. And yeah, you know, the way that story goes anyway kind of, you know, takes I care ju- of something. I just think it works so well knowing what happens. Like there are mm. moments all the way through, for instance, where you see Micah interacting with Dutch and you right. can see him getting into his head in the right. background and he's just worming his way in to influence him and to take him down this dark path. Mm. And it's something that either you wouldn't notice the first time around because you're breezing through it mm. or you just wouldn't pay attention to because you don't know what it's building towards. But then it's the attention to detail in that game is just mad, man. The thing like that, I was being really super facetious before because the thing that I like the Red Dead gave me the bad ending which is the thing that I never got over I was always like well what the hell I thought I played him totally fine I don't know why I got the bad ending I just did um, and so I never really unpacked that, but I've always wanted to go back through it because there is so much to that game. Um, and even like the, the game's script is like some insane like stack of papers that they all had to get through. Um, but it's good to know that like replaying it does kind of give you like a fresh perspective. There's a good reason to go back to it. Yeah, definitely. I think it only gets better the second time around. The script anyway, like the the, the, the mechanics, if you didn't care too much for them the first time mm-hmm. around, you're not going to enjoy them this time. But you can cut a lot of the fat off. Like I said about the camp stuff, you mm-hmm. can just, you know what you can focus on and what's going to reward you rather than just what's there for for fluff, mm. if that makes sense. So you, you don't buy, have to do any of the badness. Buy a new table. I did actually yeah, go to do Scott Tilford and Benroy. <laughs> when I got the ingredients, Scott Table. Yeah. Scott table when I got the ingredients to make that red table at back of camp yeah. to then play poker on it, I felt like I was part of something. Red it dead was, table. It was transcendent. <laughs> <laughs> Having the most pride in your little. I don't know what it is, bare skin table. Oh, I think it's no. a frog horn one. I can't I think that's what The thing is, that's what they want you to do. They want you to do all that stuff so that it impacts the way the story goes, which is a beautiful idea, but I wish they pushed you into that stuff a bit more. But at the same time, because it is optional, it makes it work even more. Because, oh man, I put all this time in. Yeah. I did. And 
this thing happened anyway. I guess yeah. it's kind of like me putting BB's theme on everything that I build now. So <laughs> BB's theme is always, okay. you know, you can put like, in Death Stranding, yeah, Death you can put like music on all these things you build. Mm-hmm. Just like that. Or... Well, Just well, put, put the thing, the big dinosaur from Horizon Zero Dawn. Makes those, sense. Those moments are spot on, right? Because mm. as gamers, we put a lot of stock into what rewards we're going to get for doing side missions or doing hunting and stuff. Mm. But often it doesn't matter if it changes fundamentally the gameplay of the story. It's just how your story has changed, like how it's been personalized. And like you said, Benroy, you'll go through Death Stranding and you'll put that song on all the things you build. And that doesn't <laughs> fundamentally change anything in the game, but it leaves an impact on you that resonates more with you. Just like my lovely little red table now has going to stay with me in my time with Red Dead Redemption, make it, For a while. Make Good. it much more fond. That's the way that uh, David Cage justified drinking the orange juice in the fridge in Heavy Rain. He's like, well, you know you drank the orange juice. That was your character's day that morning, which, you know, makes some sense. And we will end on Benoit's favorite new game, Bioshock. You're loving a bit of, loving a bit of the old Bioshock, aren't you? Yes. Uh, so I, this is a game <laughs> I never... I played Bioshock Infinite back in the day, you mm-hmm. know, smashed it out in 11 straight hours pretty much. But Bioshock 1, never touched it. Never it's really. on PS Plus at the minute. Yeah, um, it was brought to us by PlayStation, so I thought, you know, I'll play it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we, I think me and you are exactly the same. On I, I that's a game which starts very strong. I love Rapture, and then you start realizing the combat's a bit naff. I mean, I don't know if it's 2007 combat or just, just in general. It that's why it's yeah, good, yeah. good. I, I least I got someone here. You're back in the day who can reference this. <laughs> and then um, and then are, are we thirteen? Are we go like it's been in a billion got, billion lists? Shall we? Shall we say the shall I say the moment? Everyone knows the moment. Oh, everyone knows uh, that after thing. that would you kindly moment. That would you kindly moment, which I've had support for me, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought it was super great and up to that. And then it just goes on and on, and the game doesn't end. And the game decides to put turrets around every corner, and the game decides to put cameras around every corner, which then spawn flying little drones, which just shoot you. And by the end, every every time I set an alarm off, I just put the controller down and let myself die because I just realised. <laughs> It would be quicker for me to you die. Harakiriing yourself, yeah. just being like, just, just take me out. And I, I'm done. I was running out of ammo, but what, trying to shoot these little buggers in the sky. So you know what? Nah, just, and just, it. just end me. And then everyone just being so powerful. I mean, like, the game just does ramp up so much after that. Yeah. And I just, oh, just kill me. I think Bioshock is a humongous deal. And it's so obvious. Everyone knows this, that it's a big deal for what it did for video game storytelling and narrative and all that stuff. Yes, no one's taking anything away from that. I could never get on board with the combat. I hate fighting the big also, daddies. Also, my audio logs wouldn't play after a while. Like After oh. that Woody Conley moment, you you would say, hold X to play it. No, I just won't play it. <laughs> and I tried, to, and I was like, I'm not going into the menu to play this. So I missed out of so many audio logs for that game because just, they just won't play. Oh, and if you shame. put that game in suspend mode, it also crashes. Oh, I tell you, the, the thing with Bioshock is that if it, for me, if it was a walking sim, if some fan had modded it, take out the combat, just make it a walking sim, I would have adored it. Madness. You 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 shaking, shaking your head through a lot of that. What are you what are you going to say? I do. I, I just love it, man. I, like all your criticisms are valid, especially about Thank the you. turrets. They're so annoying. But I would say just hack them, Ben Roy. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah a little blast of electric, hack them. When yeah, I when I come around good. the corner and there's a bunch of like trash in the way, and then they're behind a little bit of <laughs> bars, and you got <laughs> three or four splicer boys coming at you, and then some one shouting at you, you come here and shooting you with a real problem. I'm just like, oh, so much going on, man. I know what you mean. Like, and then there's a camera, and then the little drones, and then I'm just put the controller down and die. <laughs> yeah, he's dead then. He's he's done what he can. I, it's yeah, it's one of those things where for me the world and the atmosphere just trumps everything and mm. all of the. 
the bad things I don't like about that game, it's, it, they're, they're almost meaningless because of how good everything else it is. It is so stellar. It like, is, man. Everywhere like, else. It, well, yeah. I, I went back through the, the remastered collection as well, and I, I was actually surprised at how well it held up. Mm. The, the combat isn't anything spectacular, but I think it's punchy enough. And when I was going through it, it almost feels like a survival horror game in places, especially when you get to the dentist mm. or some of those big set pieces. And it really is so well-paced, in my opinion, and spooky until you get to the end boss fight, who I will admit is just really bad. Big old Fontaine. You can get stunlocked in that as well. Because like if you don't buy like I went in there with two health kits because I thought oh, I'll buy loads of ammo, there'd be health kits there. No. There's a health station, but I didn't have any ammo money left because I spent it all. Well, luckily there's one one man with like fifty quid. Take that off him and I was literally spending it to deactivate because there's a there's a bit where they, where he summons turrets <laughs> yes. after you stab him shaking him the first time like oh you're not gonna do this to me. You're not gonna and you can turn them off, but I had to find that money laying around. And just like, why would you give me those stupid fucking... Sorry, I, I swear. I swore. <laughs> stupid turrets. Ken Levine, why did he do this to me? <laughs> it was a did personal Don, did, did, insult did, did to you. Don Matrick get in his ego. Charge him to get rid of the turrets. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. Are you going to play it through um, Bioshock 2? Because when I got the remastered collection, I had one of the best gaming weekends of my life. All my flatmates were gone. And I played through one and two just... <laughs> Did abandon you playing Bioshock 2? I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's why. He's too far gone. <laughs> you leave him. Away. I'm going to finish murdering everyone I can in Uncharted 1. Good. And then I'll get, maybe play it afterwards. Good. Bioshock 2 is, I mean, it's one. It's destined to be that overlooked installment because it wasn't, didn't have Ken Levine and stuff involved with it. But um, yeah, as a trilogy though, like if you, you know, if you haven't experienced Bioshock, you still should. Even yeah, though, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worth it for the storytelling and the characters and everything. So yeah, so that's all the different things that we've been playing at the minute. And we have a hashtag set up. W, hashtag, hashtag. Hashtag. WCGP. Come leave us different comments, different questions, different things. And Bob's, and uh, and we'll dive into it going forward because, you know, we might as well keep in touch in that. You there listening, why not? And so, yeah, come let, um, let us know what you think across on social media. But for now, this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast, and I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Goodbye. And Ben Roy Turner. Good night. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
and 365-day returns.